All right, everyone. Welcome to Soul Quest episode number 27. I am Cisco, and today we're sitting here with uh, Mr. Lawrence Spain with Spain Sober Living. Thank you so much for being here with us, Lawrence. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, letting, and inviting us to, to see your facility. So how about we start off with how you grew up, your background, what kind of challenges did you have growing up and and in your early adult years that have, has led you to be here today? Okay. So I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas, uh, to a military family. The grandparents was a huge part of my getting raised, as long as my beloved auntie and mother was there as well. I also had a lot of cousins that I looked up to as adults, because I was the baby of three cousins. And um, along the way, we just kind of got brought up in that... Um, love and caring compassion environment um knowing that you know respect was huge when you walked through our front door you know you couldn't walk in the house without saying good morning hello to anybody that was there and really just really just being raised of the right ways mm-hmm. and being told what to watch out for mm-hmm. um i was always warned that growing up in life that i needed to watch out for many different things the people i hang around with uh People are not, I mean, I always like you for your color of skin. You know, a lot of these things that got brought up to my attention that I told myself then, these things ain't never gonna happen to me. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? <laughs> well, as I grew up, I lost my grandfather in 1996, and that was a turn for me personally because I was the biggest cheerleader. Uh, was always at the sports games with me, so forth. Uh, grandma was always there as well, even my mom and auntie. But um, that's when I kind of turned in a different direction. Um, more of the being the typical teenager of defiant. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, not to defiant to where I just would just sprawl out and start doing a whole bunch of drugs or anything like mm. that. But just the point to where I was hanging around with different groups of friends that did different groups of things. Mm-hmm. Of course, drinking was a thing. All high schoolers and middle school schools does it. But my thing was, is that just being defiant, really, you know? Because at that time, I lost the grandfather. So it seemed like a huge part of my just gone. But then um, my grandmother took time to call the pastor that's been in the family for over 20 plus years. And she came and he came and took me away and talked to me to tell me what I need to do as a man. And, um, and that was basically I had to look after my family because he wasn't there anymore. So um, I took care of my grandma until 1999. Okay. And November 1999, I decided to make this move to Austin. Okay. You know, How old were you? 19 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, I definitely had some challenges as far as uh, family not believing in me. Uh, all I'm ever going to be is like the rest of my friends. So it was more of a point of I needed to jumpstart my life. You know, I saw my cousins around and I kept asking myself at a young age, like, why are y'all still here? You know, y'all adults are like, come on. I can't wait to get out of here. Well, at 19, that's pretty brave to... Yeah. Wow. So I had a friend here in Austin, originally from El Paso. Everybody, a few of us moved out of here. And uh, he opened his house up to me and took that opportunity to come. And since living in Austin, of course, I've had a lot of different jobs and so forth. But my main job I wanted to always do is work with kids with mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. And um, applied, applied, couldn't get a job. Didn't have experience. But in 2002 of April, 
23rd is the day I lost my grandmother. Okay. And that next day when I was still in Paso, I got the call from Texas Nor Rehab that they want to hire me. And um, wow. I've been there ever since. And I'm still there today. What is it, Texas? Texas Neuro Rehab. Neuro Rehab, okay. On Dipmar. So you've been there for a long time. Yes, 19 and years. What do you do there? I'm a mental health tech. So okay. I'm, I'm basically managing behaviors throughout the daytime, okay. doing programming with the kids, working closely with the counselors there. Wow, that sounds really fulfilling. You know, definitely is. There I learned a lot for myself. My first year, the physically sexual abuse was a thing. Because when you're so sheltered growing up and didn't see that a lot, mm -hmm. even with your friends or anything, right? you didn't know it was out there. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You know, this happened, I'm like, mom, dad did what? So um, at that time, I was like, wow, this is definitely a learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. And knowing the whole, uh, how they are as a person, as a teenager, built up anger from what they're parents did to them right. as what we had to deal with is calming those down so you learn a lot about yourself mm -hmm. you have to learn that you have to have patience for one mm -hmm. huge and to be able to ignore a lot of things that come your way from them whether you can call a cracker a wetback a, a nigger whatever those things you had to learn that you can't react you know well wow, that's a big lesson a big, huge lesson it is huge lesson I've seen many people come and work and gone due to the situation sometimes it's not for them you know in today's time i'm a tutorial instructor so i teach the class for de-escalation for people that get hired there mm -hmm. and basically we basically teach how you go about managing these kids and their behaviors and not just putting your hands on them just put your hands on them right. so and there, it was really nice to hear about this program called Satori because this guy started it Larry Henson was behind it but everybody has a need it's all about how it recuperates to what they're trying to tell you and of course we don't think about those things you know mm -hmm. and when I started listening to what he was saying I was like it makes a lot of sense you know everybody has a need and you just have to hear them especially when you're resting with kids that are artistic mm -hmm. you know let alone fetal alcohol, physical sexual abuse. But the autism spectrum is a huge part because it goes from the lowest to the highest. Right, yeah. You know? I used so to work with a Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So, yeah, I know all about that. And, yeah, you can't take things personally. Definitely you yeah. can't. <laughs> so being with, them, being with that company for as long as I have has been a huge success for me. Uh, I wanted to, at one point in time, be a special ed teacher. Jumped into the middle school in 2006 at Reagan High School. I was there from 2006 to 2009. It was a huge experience because you got to see the other background of broken families. Yeah, I'm sure. Of kids that just didn't make it to school because they had to care for themselves or their little sisters. So that was a really, another challenge for me. Mm -hmm. And then after 2009, there was a school called Grisky Middle School. This is located in Circle C. I've, yeah, I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And I now work there. I've been there since 2009. So oh. currently there. So I hold both jobs. Oh, wow. And I do sober living. That's a lot. Productive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So basically you have three jobs. Yes. Yeah. Well, so you're a special ed teacher at? Uh, I'm a teacher assistant. Teacher at, middle, middle at the middle school. school. Okay. Yes. 
Wow. And you just you when you love what you do, you, you know, not some most of the time you just do it with your eyes closed. That's yeah. so true. And then if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life really because you, it's just what you do. And I mean, of course, you get compensated, but it's not work to you. It's actually what you're doing. That's you right. Know what I'm saying. It, yeah, I, I believe in that a lot. Like, you know, for sure. Right. And I mean. <laughs> Congratulations for being in a place where you can say that because a lot of people, you know, have are scared to do that, to do something they love because they feel like they're not going to be able to make a living. So, right. My I jump started this, as I said before, in 2018 when I lost my cousin to addiction, May 23rd of 2017 was the day I got the call and it happened to be on his daughter's birthday. Oh. Um, it was one of those situations now that. I'm going to work in the morning. Kids reached out saying dad was acting erotically. So we had to call the cops. So I'm thinking to myself, I'll follow up in about an hour or two. Something's not right. I reached back out. That's when I was told that uh, he took his life. Um, so he took his life? Took his life. Wow. Were you aware that he had problems? I was aware that there was always a struggle there. Okay. You know, with drugs, mm -hmm. you know, from early on, you know what I mean? But not to the extent to know that he was on meth. His marijuana was always a thing there, you know, and dip and dab and a little bit of everything else. But I think it was really meth was a, a shocker to me. And I, that's where I learned a lot about meth. When I talked to the coroner's office, that's the part that I was in control of to handle because my cousin back home in El Paso, family was there. So his brother handled everything in El Paso. As far as funeral arrangements, I handled everything in California, including kids and the separate the separation between wife that she had to co-sign to release his body. Mm. So I had my hands tied. Uh, coroner's office taught me a lot just because they said when a person is on meth and they're somewhat in control of themselves, it's around about 600 range. She, they're like, but your cousin was at 900 range. It was, he, was a self, he was a danger to himself and others. Wow. So I said, oh, I get it. And there, it just kind of sparked from there where I was like, I want to go to sober living. And I uh, talked to family about it. This house was ready, had been here since 2008. It was a rental property. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was meant for me because things started kicking off so fast to the point where it was sliding. Yeah. And uh, I think at the time, I was ready in a relationship for four years. It was one of the decisions that I had to make. Either I'm gonna prevail with this business or I'm gonna prevail with this relationship. And um, was it either or? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And, and that happens a lot in relationships. Yes. So I had to just say, you know what? I'm pushing forward with my dreams. You know, I'm a firm believer that if you stick by your dreams, you stick by your goals, you prevail. And I'm also aware that nothing ever happens overnight. And you know, sometimes with a lot of some of my clients I've had in the past, is we want it now. Mm -hmm. But I look at it as it's going to be those obstacles in front of you that's going to make you work harder. And with this, felt right because mm -hmm. everything just was going so fast. And my beloved aunt, she came down for the open house. She was here for me to have the open house for people to come by the tour. And that's kind of where we kind of set up the scholarship program to help guys out in treatment. Wow. And um, being open for three years, it's 
definitely have been a huge success for me because I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. I've learned that in sober living, there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of bad ones. And I didn't want to be like the bad ones. I wanted to be somewhere that I can provide a clean environment to help guys out. Mm-hmm. Is it, I looked at it as either you're going to be in there to win it for guys or you're just not. You know? Yeah. And I'm constantly, you know, in contact with my manager. You know, I, I try to make it by here at least daily. I see some of my clients in the past. Mm-hmm. I may not catch everyone, but by the end of the week, I tend to try to catch everyone just to check in. Mm-hmm. And my thing is that, you know, why judge from the outside if you've never been in those shoes before? That's absolutely true. You know, you can't, yeah. yeah, you can't do that and, or just sizing people up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just by appearance. Like I, I mean, <laughs> I get, I get sized up a lot <laughs> right? for who I am, you know, how, how, you know, how, how I carry myself. But right. then when you get on that level, you know, phys, you know, just verbally talking to someone and getting to know someone, the, per- the perspective changes, you know, like, hey, you know, you're not that person that I thought <laughs> you right. were when I, when I looked at you. you know? It definitely is true. Yeah. I mean, my thing is, is that I don't come from a recovery background, but I'm not going to sit there and judge you. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, we all have had friends. Yeah. I lost two of my best friends in the early 2000s. I won in 2001 and won around 2014. Mm. And it was pretty much alcohol-related. And that's, you know, it was another thing now that I can really talk to my friends about to say, it's addiction. We didn't know then because we were too young. Right. And I think what we're finding out the older we get, I mean, we just did an episode last week on a, a friend that we went to high school with. He was a friend of Cisco who has been clean for, or sober for a year and a half? Yeah, now, but he was... I mean, it was just his way of living, right? Like, yeah, if he, Yeah, he did anything. Got off of work, got some beers, you know. was do, He's a big skateboarder, you know. Drank beers while he's skating. Everything. Uh, everything. E- everything had to do with beer, you know, mm-hmm. just drinking t- his beer. Mm-hmm. And then he he almost died. I mean, his, his kidneys started shutting down. I mean, I saw him, another f- close friend of mine had an addiction problem as well, and he actually died. And then we had a memorial service for him. And this this friend of mine who showed up mm-hmm. that we did podcast last week, he was so sick looking. Like, he had, like, this huge stomach. He had lost, like, he's probably weighing, like, 125, 30 pounds. Like, his body was, his skin was all red and irritated his face. His face had shrunken in. I, and I was like, oh, my God, what's happened? But he was dying, you know, just in front of. But he ended up getting clean. He looks great now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's completely clean. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to it. And he talks about how that feeling of being in the hospital and going through all the detox and all that. Like, he doesn't even want to, you know, thinking of that makes him not want to touch alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because he doesn't want to go through that again right. and he has two kids and he he almost left them you know and right he just didn't want to put that you know like right a quick exit out you know and let his kids grow up without a father so he he shaped up and he's my age and you know, we're both 45 so like you know he was either you know get in shape and get back you know get his life back or you know the end, the end of the road you know right and i think for me personally 
I've dealt with all spectrums, I believe, so far being open for three years of codependency, which I never knew was a thing. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, love addiction. Yeah. Oh, man, that too. <laughs> wow, yeah. Never knew it was a yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a thing. So you, me personally, I don't look at it as the, the population of guys I'm dealing with. I'm looking at it as how can I help, yeah. you know? My manager and me, well, we had to confront a situation here. We're not getting in your face and tell you what you're going to do, because that's only going to spiral out of control. You know, you, when your emotions are not intact, things spiral out of control. So it's more, what can we do? What can we do better? Mm-hmm. You know, you're more able to do the buy-in that way than to tell them you need to do this. You're not being successful because you're doing this. That's not being anything other than your sergeant. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. You know. And my thing is, like I said, you know, you have to have love, empathy, and compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, because my thing is, out here in the real world, I mean, who who isn't suffering? Especially with this COVID and mental health being as high as. Oh, it's oh, gosh, yeah. very high right now. Snowstorm that just happened in February. Right. So all those things are transpiring. Mm-hmm. And the relapse rate right now is 34%. Mm. You know, I mean, isolation, you know, all all those things matter. You know, I'm not the best at it yet. I'm going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) But what I've done is that you have to educate your mind to be able to educate the house. And you have to sit back and figure out what you can do and what you can do better. Mm -hmm. So I do follow a couple other sober livings out there that I highly, you know, recommend as well. You have the recovery acting uh recovery acting sober living and you have here to the house sober living that you know i sit back and i see what they're doing and you know sometimes outings are really good too because you find connection mm-hmm. besides your recovery you they get to connect with the rest of the guys as well you yeah, know that's great and you know we don't do it as as often as i would like but we do at least once a month mm-hmm. you know we haven't you know we try to do some fellowship in the round you know, I mean, sometimes that looks a little different, but you know, my thing is, is trying to always be better and stay ahead. You know, my thing is, is that I want the guys to feel comfortable while they're here in the house. And also the biggest thing is anything else, be able to have a voice, which I feel that sometimes when you're in sober living, you don't. It's what you're going to do. That's true. I mean, got it. Or get out. And I'm I'm curious. So, how does someone get here to Spain? So, they're in treatment. They're roughly in treatment for anywhere from thirty to sixty to ninety days. Uh, it's brought up in their discharge planning that they should get into sober living. Because the statistics shows, if you do the sober living for quite some time, your recovery. You know, you stay sober. Mm-hmm. So basically, they look at the options of sober houses that they have listed that the rehab is recommending. And it's up to the guys to kind of figure out where they want to go. Um, counselors and caseworkers can recommend, but it's up to the guy at the end of the day. And that more so looks like, you know, the caseworker will reach out to me and tell me they got a guy. He's interested in sober living, whether he, they may have looked at the website or not. Um, sometimes I get calls and say, hey, the guy likes your house. He likes what you're about. He wants to come to your house. What do you need to do? Well, he need to do an interview with me first, and then we do a follow-up interview with the house manager. 
my interview more so goes basically overall what you're about, you know, criminal history, family. But really, at the end of the day, I'm looking at family. What is your connection with family? Are they still supportive of your, of you being in recovery? Because sometimes family can just, I'm done. I've been through it for so long, I'm done. Hmm. But the reason I ask those questions, I try to somewhat be in contact with the families. You know, it doesn't always happen. You know what I mean? Because you, we all get busy around here. But my goal is to always try to call and introduce myself, let the parents know who I am. You know, I, sometimes, you know, when you have clients coming in and out, you keep, you lose track sometimes as far as trying to stay in contact with family. Mm -hmm. So if I have to say where I need to get better at, it's more communicating with families. You know, okay. let them to know that your loved one's going to be safe here. And these are the updates that's going on here. And this is where he's at mm -hmm. in his recovery. You know. So do you have some kind of system in place while they're here as, like, checking in with them and how they're doing? Or So we do a house meeting every Sunday at 8 p.m. They do three meetings a week. Uh, In-house meet on Thursdays. They have to have a sponsor within two weeks. And what we're really going to start doing next month is checking in with sponsors to see if they're checking in. Okay. Accountability part there. We're not needing to know what they're talking about. We just want to make sure they're checking in. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, you know, we try to see about some events that's happening outside the house, to more recovery events. But since COVID is back to where it's yeah. at today, it's kind of hard to get those things together. Yeah. Yeah. But they're assigned to do chores every day of the week. Um, everybody has a, a day out of the week to do chores. We do deep cleaning on the weekends. And really it's about just taking care of your mental health. With Atomic Souls coming on board next month, I think that's gonna really take care of a lot of our continuum care for the guys that are not doing IOP. Yeah. So they're gonna be the ones kind of running the show a little bit, but it's not gonna be like their own counselors or anything like that. If they need their own counselors, then they'll be able to provide outpatient or IOP at their location. Okay. So that's kind of where the guys would do, mm -hmm. go there. So it's really just trying to open it up to kind of have that independency. You know, not over, always looking over your back. Being able to get a job, get back to being independent. Yeah, you know? definitely. And I think, I'm thinking of my brother, because my brother um, struggled with addiction, and he was in and out of rehab mm -hmm. as I grew up. I remember he went to a house like this. Is this, would, would you say this is similar to a halfway house or? Yeah different name just yeah. a yeah. yeah okay so and I think the big thing with him was going back to the same life with the same friends that were still doing the same thing you know right and so he would get back into it again so right. is there some kind of system that or something helping them to to figure that out about like really for us it's like accountability um it's huge yeah, um we can't control what you do when you leave the house mm-hmm we can control what goes underneath the roof. Um, we do random UAs, you know, uh, we try to check in, the manager checks in, see how they're doing. You know, that was the thing that I used to be able to do myself is be able to pull the guy to the side and check in, yeah. <laughs> personally see how they're doing. You know, but since work's gone a little busy here lately, it's kind of been like to the back. But those are some things that I'm looking at bringing to the forefront. Because sometimes some people just want to be able to talk to somebody. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, I believe that in their environment, they want to feel safe and secure. And 
judging off some people that have been here in my house before, other sober livings, you know, are, are about that, and other sober livings are not about that, you know? So it's all, it's really about finding that right spot for yeah, the clients. Yeah. You know, sure. I think when they come here and they're able to see the manager, they're able to hear to see some guys that have been stable here, and not just for two weeks, a few months, mm-hmm. five months, six months, then I think for them it kind of brings on a little more, like, I could do this if this guy here is three or four months clean, you know? What tends to happen is they tend to go to meetings together as well. Uh, what I normally do when the house manager's out with them is like, hey, we out, pick a place, y'all go to eat. Go eat, yeah. You know, just finding that connection. Yeah. You know, getting great. out and trying to find that connection. Tomorrow they're looking at going to do bowling cool. as a house. Fun. So it's really just trying to find those mediocre events yeah, and have fun. Yeah, ways for them to connect to each other too. Right. So what's the, about the age range? We're looking about 25 to about 35 around that range. Um, we have a client about 59. He's Papa. He's Papa oh. of the house. <laughs> he's been that. with me for about two years. And uh, he's my oldest man. Uh, everybody else is between that 25 to 35 gap okay. range. Um, that's really what we've been getting for the past several months. Mm-hmm. When I first opened up, I was open to like all ages until I realized that you know, 20, 21-year-olds are not really ready to take it seriously, you yeah, know? Yeah, I look at it different because I was like, we've all been 21, we've all done crazy things, you know? <laughs> this yeah. is just this, and here's addiction now. We can work with that. Right. But obviously, yeah. now when it's spiral in your house with other guys. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we increased the age limit to 25, and then everybody else that's like 23, 24 is case by case. Okay. You know? I see. So we just try to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to talk to family sometimes and just be, hey, I'm just here. If you ever need to talk, if you ever need to know where your son's at, just mm-hmm. give us a call. You know. So that's pretty much kind of how we kind of normally work mm-hmm. out. My manager just became a recovery coach. So mm-hmm. he's going to be doing some recovery coaching, and we're just trying to figure out how we can lay a, a platform of that here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be doing a lot of it more so out of the house, but we're just trying to find that platform to where we can do it with all clients here. Yeah. So we're hoping come next month we're able to kind of have something here for all the guys. That's great. A lot of our guys like to kind of try to go to the gym and work out. Some do, some don't. But they're always offering to go to the gym. Yeah. Another thing that we do have on board is the YMCA membership for all the guys here. Oh, that's awesome. So... Again, we go back to trying to provide some immunities that can get the guys moving and going. Yeah. Saturdays, they hold a class on YMCA from 1.30 to 2.30. They do a workout, you know, where they have recovery coaches there. You know, during the week, they're more often to go swim and do whatever they need to do. And plus, they have the library next door. Yeah, awesome. So. Well, it sounds like you're growing, definitely, and and learning and putting new things in effect. Do you have any... Anything in your in your mind, like plans for the future that you'd like to do? Well, we're looking at house number two. There oh. you go. Uh, I was I was I was always firm on not expanding. I saw a lot of things in the addiction field that I wanted to work on, which, and I, that's not going to deter me from doing my second house. But my thing was is seeing how sober living can come together as more on one accord instead of being divided. Mm-hmm. 
So my plan is, is to try to have a sober living conference in Austin next year. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. To invite all people around Austin, Houston, Dallas, whatever. That's amazing, yeah. And to have a key speaker and a host to kind of host that. I've talked to quite a few business owners and, you know, I have to put it out like this, even though I don't look at it that way, but I say, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. It's needed, you know, so, so many people are saying, some houses need to be closed. Houses need to be certified. We also working with this lady named Gina, and we're working on a project right now, which should be going on come September, which is we're trying to get the Paramount downtown to do a film of the hundred mile redemption. So that film is basically a guy made a film of what it took what took for him to get recovered, what his everyday life was till he got recovered. Mm-hmm. What did you say, 100 days? Oh, yeah, 100 mile redemption. 100 mile okay. redemption, okay. Okay. Yeah. To check that out, wow. And that's going to be coming out roughly around September, as we were hoping. So um, we want to do that, me and her, because we want to bring more education around for families and people that don't know about addiction. And we feel that if we do something like that, it opens up to everybody that's interested in coming. Yeah. Not just people who are recovering. Yeah. People that may want to learn about addiction. Right. Or have a friend that they believe that may be an addict and they don't really know. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because I think we've talked about this before. I mean, there's so many forms of addiction. There's a lot of people that are addicted to alcohol that I, you know, I feel like I've come across in life that they didn't know they were addicted. Because what society calls addiction is different. Norm. Yeah, right, like, it's just, just a social norm to them. Mm-hmm. We're talking yeah. about, hey, if you do some, you know, if you get a promotion, what do you do? You get a drink, you get married, you get Right, engaged, that's a you social a norm, drink, but there's know, like, some people that maybe don't drink all day, they just drink after five, and they don't think that's an addiction, but if they can't live without doing that every day at five, then that is an addiction. Correct. And so I don't think people are aware of that, so that's a great idea to, to just make people aware of what addiction really is. Right. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, as I, you know, tell guys, it's not that you woke up one morning and said, I want to be an addict. You're somewhere in your life, something must have happened, whether traumatic or really just got you there. Who knows? Or it can be work. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people, it's just not people sure. that doesn't have the high-powered jobs that are addicts. You have people that are in high-powered jobs that have their own addiction, you know. So true. Um, being a workaholic is addiction. It absolutely is. <laughs> it is. You know. Would you say you have that addiction? <laughs> people have told me that myself, and I've had to say that must be a thing because I'm getting told that, you know. But you know, I, honestly, I've always believed you got to put the work in to get to where you want to get to. It's true. And if that means you got to put in 100 plus hours a week to get to where you need to get to, to where you can fall back before you get old, then why not? And I can honestly say I'm at a point in my life at 41, thankfully that I started when I was 19, that hopefully by next year I can be falling back and not doing both jobs as I'm doing. Yeah. Um, my hope is I'm able to survive this school year because that's a thing that I'm not sure because the influence of calls I'm getting now and the need of sober living. Mm. You know, I always feel that fear and anxiety is, is in everybody. Oh, this yeah. is not an addiction. 
Totally. You know, and I, I tell people that all the time. They look at me like I'm crazy, but it is. And I have to explain it to them to where they do get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I explain it, they understand it. Because we also know I-35 is right here. <laughs> I-35, yes. I-35. A form of anxiety for everyone. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely so. But wow. yes, well, um, my biggest uh, things I can say since I've been open for three years is that, you know, being staying connected to my clients have gone on to live their best life. It's been mm-hmm. a huge success. I check in with them. You know, it's often not as often no need to, but uh, within the month's time, at least once. Yeah. And you know, to see one of my house managers that chose to come here from Missouri, he got sober at Great Oaks in Egypt, Texas. Chose to take a launch to come to Austin to make Austin his home, and to eventually find his future wife here and get married. Oh, well. Um, then I had another guy that the first person that ever cussed at me. And it was the reason that was is because at the time he was married, wife had cancer, and has a young son. Mm. My agenda was, you're not ready to go home yet. You need to stay a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And this is why. And in return, he said, F you, Spain. Mm. But in today's time, about two weeks ago, he called me and said after 17 months, he gets to see his kid. Wife's been gone for about a year. She passed away. But, and then he had to go through of not seeing his kid. Wow. But as of two weeks ago, he was so happy and so stoked. Mm. Wow. And I was surprised because he called me the person he had cussed. Wow. And I was like, wow. That's great to But see. to hear him say that, you know, Spain House was part of his recovery, it was like, wow, you know. Wow. And to also receive a call yesterday from a client that was reaching out for me to be a reference for him and tell me, and me that, you know, he's doing well. And I was also part of, Spain House was part of his recovery. You, man, you're getting all this feedback, which is good, you know? So it just makes you, it just drives you to be better every day. Definitely. And <clears throat> as I try to tell my manager, we just got to try to stay consistent. You know, whatever we're doing now, we got to stay consistent. And as long as we stay consistent, we're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So my project is next is that he just launched his recovery coaching uh, website. Goka is the name of it. And um, it was a thing that I saw in him early on before he even saw it himself. He got his personal trainer certification for Gold Gym to be a personal trainer back in November of last year. Mm-hmm. January come around, I said, look, I think you should go do recovery coaching because it goes hand in hand, you know, fitness, yeah. mind, body, and soul. Yeah, definitely. That's what we do together. Yeah. <laughs> we put it all together. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, he, was, he wasn't interested. Well, about a month and a half, two months later, I want to do this. Aw, he put it in his mind. That's it. Yeah. And I feel that sometimes you just have to really lay the seed. And that's what it really, really comes down to. I think with a lot of my guys here, once they know who runs the show, whether it's me or the manager, they just know they were just all around calm guys. Just want to see them succeed. Mm-hmm. And it's not a power struggle. It's not about what you're going to do. 
It's not if you don't do this, I'm kicking you out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's working with me, you halfway. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a lot. You know, it's a, kind of like being counselors our own self. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's what it really comes down to because I feel sometimes in, in addiction, sober living, sometimes some people don't take the time to even talk to the guys underneath mm-hmm. the roof. You know, it's too busy saying, I get you replaced in 24 hours. Bye. Mm-hmm. But then again, what does that do? Yeah. It, yeah, that's, yeah. You got to work, work with that individual, you know. Got to work. Conversate, communicate, you know. That's definitely. You know what else is out there when you leave this place, you know, right. what can happen. So I, I struggled for years with alcohol myself, you know, so... But mentally, I had to, you know, I was married, had kids, you know, I have kids, and I got to lead by example, and then being a trainer now for 14, 13 years, like, you know, I got to lead by example. If I don't lead by example, then who's going to want to train with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to talk the talk and walk the walk, you Mm -hmm. know, and then if anyone feels inspired by that, you Mm -hmm. know, then, then they'll come on board and... And like I always tell people when I channel, it's like, man, look at me as, as a medium. Like I'm just channeling what I know, what I've been through, through experience, and hope you guys don't go through, <laughs> whether if it's you know mental or the physical aspect of you know training. So yeah, totally. Right. You know, and that's correct. There's a gym called um, uh, it's this guy that owns uh, it's called Jeffrey his name is Jeffrey Meadows he owns a boxing gym uh, it's in South Austin and uh, it's re- recovery friendly you know because a lot of people feel that you know just the meetings is just the meetings but mm-hmm. you can go to the gym you can go to the boxing gym you know any way that's going to be able to get your energy and strength out yeah yes you know I mean all because you're not an addict and you, you're working out I mean working out just as good for an addict than it is for a normal person, mm-hmm. you know? But then again, you ask yourself, what is a normal person? Yeah, you're right. What is a normal person? Yeah. I always really tell people... Nobody's normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's no such thing as normal. You know, everyone right. has their their own thing that they like to do. and it like might be pe- odd to other people. Yeah, that's true. I get that all the time. Things that I do physically, people are like, you're crazy, you're crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is my... My normality. This is what I feel is yeah. normal to me. But they're like, I don't know why you do that. That's just insane. Like, why are you going to do that to your body? Why are you going to put your body under, you know, that type of stress? Yeah, I think I yeah. say that to you a lot. She says that whenever <laughs> I do stuff. So, well, you know, the th- the thing about it, you know, before opening this place, I'm 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 a huge believer on this. I mean, maybe got indebted to me at a young age is that if you don't try, you won't succeed. And we uh, go back again and say, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of people, you know, from my job that was at the same level as me, tech-wise, saying, I've been talking about this for five, six, seven, eight years, and it hasn't happened by now. It's not going to happen. And a lady approached me with that one day and told me, she said, well, Lawrence, people said that you've been talking about this for, I said, you know, those are your motivators right there. <laughs> yeah. So true. Those are your motivators right there. Use them to motivate you. 
to, to show I've, them that you can do it. Yeah, I've always done that. When people tell me, you know, oh no, you you know, it's too much. You can't take that on. I'm like, watch me, <laughs> watch me, <laughs> watch me, and right. then you know, and right, we'll, we'll see from there. My actions, like I've always, you know, actions speak louder than words. That's you right. I, I'm the kind of person too that I keep stuff. Like I don't tell people what I'm gonna do. Just just do it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Do it. do it. Your actions will speak for what you do. That's right. You know. And I'm I'm a biggest supporter of that. You know, between some of the guys here, sometimes when one guy's here and he's eating, and we're just talking about many things. I'm the same with my manager sometimes. You know, hey, you know, when he asks me, man, how do you do it? I said, what are you talking about? Like, how do you do it? You here? You there? <laughs> <laughs> How do you keep it together? So God's grace, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I just know that every morning I get up, I got to do it. Yeah. It feels right to you. Yeah, yeah. it feels right to you. That's it, it. It fills your soul. That's it. You know? You know? I think um, respect is high, you know, for me personally. You know, I think that's what I learned in my family growing up is that never let anybody disrespect you. You know, so those little principles, you know, with love, empathy, you know, your purpose and respect, all those things. Compassion. Come, come together. Yeah. You know, and one way or another, these guys can learn, you know, because they already learn. They already know. Yeah. You know, they just have a bigger thing to fight. Right. You know, and as I tell people all the time, if it was that easy, then... Everybody would be I know, you know, right? mentally. It's not, it's not meant to be easy. Yeah, it's not. That's right. You know? Because, yeah, then the world would be different. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the world would be definitely different. Right. If I get a call from a friend or a friend of a friend or somebody that does not know about addiction or the services that are out there, but they're getting told already from people that are so called friends that your brother says all you're ever going to be is an addict. Mm-hmm. Our first thing is, you know, first, before we continue this, stop listening to them. Because they're not in your shoes. They're not in your brother or your sister's shoes. That's great advice. You're wow. just here helping. And, and I normally get that straightened out before yeah. pushing forward. Because mm-hmm. we got to set that boundary now. Yeah, totally. You know, and I don't mind helping out anybody that's called looking for detox we have. You know, I don't mind any of that. You know, my phone tends to just go from inbox to text messages to phone calls, it's all. You know, but if you're gonna be a service then you're gonna service to everybody. Not just sober living. Yeah, I love that. You know. I mean technically you are, you know. You you're in it to help people. You know? Yeah. So wow. we're so thankful to you for letting yeah. us interview you. I feel like I've known you a long time, <laughs> dude. <laughs> well I was so appreciative to finally do my first <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, that's just what I want to do. But what did I do to need to get through the door to get this done? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, who do I need to call or email or what? You know, because oh, I'm must, always looking. It must have been in your mind that day that I put that post out there. Yeah. Interview somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. And any last words or things you want to share with the listeners before we go? Yeah. If There's something you could share with some listeners, just tell us you what You shared it is. a lot. So yeah, you have. But well... Just, I would say that if anybody's looking, you know, me personally, at Spain House, you know, we tend to be constant moving and grooving, but I'm also 
are in contact with other good sober living. So if you're ever looking or a friend or anybody that's looking for a sober living, don't hesitate to reach out to me personally. If I don't have a bed myself, I will get you to a safe place that I do know has a bed and has a good community base Yeah, there. I feel that if that's what I'm jumping for, then we got to work together. Yeah. You know, but I always feel that, you know, just be open-minded and, you know, never let nobody judge you. Yes, yeah, so. that is so great. Yeah. Don't let people judge you and don't judge others. Like, we're all different. We're all meant to be different and unique and live our own life, our own path in life. So that's a great way to end. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, so uh, how can anybody reach you? Like, uh, throw out some Instagrams, yeah, some so Facebooks, we're some on, we're on, uh, YouTubes. Yep, we're on Spain Sub Living Instagram. Okay. We're at, we have a Spain Sub Living Facebook page. My name is Lawrence Spain. I'm on Facebook as well. We have a website. It's www.spainsoberliving.com. So you can check me out there and read up about the house, read about my story and why I chose to go into this business. So I pretty much have all avenues okay. uh, to get in contact with. Um, by all means, you can always inbox me on any of those all websites. Right. We'll, we'll link that all in the show notes. So. Yes. All right. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Like I said, I feel like I've known you a long time just from, <laughs> from this. You no, just tell me. Great. Thank you so yeah, much. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I and, definitely appreciate it. And this concludes uh, 27. 27. Thank you all. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>